This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, whoa, you've seriously never watched Spring Breakers or... Wait, you have never seen Legally Blonde or... How Have You Not Seen Edge of Seventeen? Welcome, one and all, to How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we present each other with one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. It is going to be a very good time continuing our Back to School series. I think with the... Maybe a little bit more uh, direct of a back-to-school movie than, you know, Legally Blonde, I guess, is pretty directly about school. But yeah, about yeah. high school, about, you know, being a being a teen and how difficult that is. Honestly, how yeah, we've done, them, we've done them a little out of order, but we did um, Spring Breakers, which is yeah. going back to college, Congrats. followed by Legally Blonde, which is about going to grad school, mm-hmm. followed by going back to high school. Yeah. Back to high school, the most difficult school of all. And you know, let's get right into it. Uh, Caroline, how have you not seen The Edge of Seventeen? Um, that's a great question. Um, this is like a 2017 release, right? Uh, yeah, 2016. Yeah, 26. Just looked it up. 2016. Okay, 2016. Then, gosh, um, I don't know. I guess this was just at the time when, um. This would have been the the year I graduated college. So either either this movie is coming out the final semester of my senior year, which I was booked from um, nine in the morning until one in the morning, mm. or this was coming out the uh, first few months after I graduated from college, in which case I was uh, either so broke I couldn't go to a movie or um, at home crying because I was uh, so depressed to be out in the real world. That is a joke, ladies and gentlemen. I am fine. <laughs> funny jokes are funny for everyone. Uh, uh, well, uh, yeah. that, that that makes sense. You know this, and because this is a this is a. I don't think that I don't necessarily know that this is uh, the smallest movie we've ever covered. But I think it's definitely, it's definitely got to be nearly holding the title, right? I mean, like maybe. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. if you had a, if you kind of had a, um, if you had like a two-axis, um, mm. if you had like a two-axis graph, one axis being uh, how, like the budget the film was made on, and then the other axis know. being. Um, like how popular it's become since its release. I think this, like on that two axis scale, I think this might constitute the smallest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's probably true. This one is uh, not, not underground. That is a, a bit much, but yeah, like fairly indie compared to a lot of the stuff that we've covered so far. Um, right. But this is, this is a lovely film. It's just like, I feel like we've been just like the past few weeks, we've been doing like really big swings, you know, like just like big, but both in terms of just, uh, you know, like tone, but just big swings uh, in terms of style and content. And like Edge of 17 is just such a like down the middle, like perfect pitch of a movie, I think. And I think it's just going to be a real, a real lovely chat. It's, you know, it's just so nice. Yeah, I'm very excited. Well, so what do you know about Edge of Seventeen? Oh gosh, um, honestly, not too much. Sure. So I know it's like it's as we've discussed a like teen, um, probably a dramedy. If I guessing correctly, okay. Um, and I know it's starring Haley Steinfeld mm-hmm. 
as the main like teen who is um coming of age and i believe her dad is woody harrelson right he's, he's not her dad but yeah he's he's like the the kind of second lead of the movie well yeah yeah he's gotcha. sort of the second most important person in the movie is he a um is he an empathetic english teacher oh 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 caroline <laughs> no spoilers empathetic woodshop teacher <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a woodshop teacher i would say yeah yeah we'll, we'll get into it empathetics maybe yeah okay and depending on the we'll, we'll get into it we'll get into it okay i mean that's really all i know i mean fuck i mean so for whatever reason i get this movie confused in my brain i have made up a poster in my brain mm. of this movie um the following year or maybe it's beginning of 2018 but very shortly after this there was hearts beat loud which is the movie in which nick offerman has a teen daughter um, that he like plays piano with or some shit and um in my brain i am seeing that poster and superimposing woody harrelson and Haley steinfeld onto oh, it okay so let me tell you two things one that movie came out in 2019 and two i only know that because okay. i literally watched that movie with my mom two days ago gotcha yeah. and uh, you want to you want to hear something about that movie I sh sure uh bad 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 movie bad flick really yeah, re like depressingly bad. Do you, do you know who Nick Offerman's love interest is in that movie, Caroline? Um, not not a clue. Fucking Tony Collette. That sounds great. Look, I don't look, believe you that that's bad. Look, it on paper a romantic comedy in which Nick Offerman and Tony Collette are the leads. Great. Fantastic. So good. That movie is, that is a movie that I watched and got to the end of it. My mom turned to me and said, that was it. <laughs> Which is accurate because it is okay. one of those movies where you get to the end of it and you go, oh, they forgot to write a movie. They had a, they had a premise and they had some actors and then they were just like, they got to set and they're like, oh shit. Oh, we forgot to write it. Oh no. Oh, well, Lord. Enough well, about heartbeat loud. I mean, yeah, honest to God, I really don't know that I know anything else about it. I assume mm. I'm going to take a swing here and I'm going to guess that Haley Steinfeld starts the film off as a 16 year old and either by the end of the film, she turns 17 or the film ends like the day before her 17th birthday. Mm, not a bad guess. We'll see if that bears fruit. I'm assuming that is what the edge of 17 is referring to. Wouldn't it be wild if it was like, no, it's the, she's in the military. It's the 17th man she's killed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if that's all you know about the movie, I think uh, it's about time that we should move on to our game for the week. Let's do it. Which this week is a game uh, that we like to call, because this is the name of the game, Rotten Tomatoes Price is Right ding 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 uh ding, ding. You know, if you know what those two things are i think you can pretty much put together in your head what this game is like to briefly explain it uh basically i'm going to present uh, three movies to uh, caroline and myself and we're going to guess what their rotten tomatoes critics score is and the closest to the score without going over wins and then best two out of three wins the game so Caroline, are you ready? I am. Hell yeah. We're going to start out as we always do with this game, with the movie that we're covering this week, Edge of 17. Okay. Having known nothing about this movie coming in, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say 87. I based that on nothing. That's just the number that's in my brain. That's a pretty, oh man, that's a pretty solid guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lowball you a bit. Just say eighty-three. Okay. Okay. That. Hope that maybe you just barely went over. Uh, next, we're gonna go on to a movie, a Zac Efron vehicle called Seventeen Again. Oh God. Um, Seventeen Again. So that's the mm. one where John Cusack 
like wishes on a fortune cookie or some shit that he was a teenager again and then he becomes Zac Efron but he's like a lawyer and a dad yes yeah okay (laughs) oh oh god Um, something like that I don't know I haven't seen it um very popular like weirdly popular great film I remember great film you got everything right except it's Matthew (laughs) Perry Oh shit! Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> Wait, isn't there one with John Cusack? Is there like another movie where like a teenager becomes John Cusack? Then why am I envisioning John Cusack? Um, googling right now. I think he's just a famous teenager. Like, <laughs> like say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that's it. By the way, everyone, that, that's a, that's our producer Corey. Say say hi, producer Corey. Hi everyone. Hi, producer Corey. Hello. I was uh, thrilled to hear the Zac Efron Star Vehicle 17 again come up. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Glad I could give that to you. Let me see. Really quick, though. I am scrolling through John Cusack's... I I don't know. Okay, I'm just just insane. But yeah, Matthew Perry. Oh, wow. Um, Okay, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um... I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that 17 again. Like, I don't think it's probably trash. Like, I don't think it's probably, like, super low. No. Um, although, like, knowing critics and Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think it's super high. So I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 43. I think it's below 50, but I don't think it's, like, horrifically banned. Hey, I don't know. I mean, like, look. It's not Charlie St. Cloud. At least I don't I don't think it is. Like, there's not a 9-11 at the end of it. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm gonna go a little higher, maybe. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go 50. Just straight 50. Right in the straight middle. Straight 50. Yeah. I think that's valid. This is one of those movies that, like... I would be shocked if it was above like a 73, but like, honest to God, if it was anywhere between like 13% and 73%, I would go like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like yeah. based on the trailers yeah, right. and like stuff, like I could see it being literally anywhere in that range. Oh, as a, as a kid, I saw the trailers all all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, cause Sack Up Front, it was, it was that right post high school musical this is like the second week in a row we've talked about Zac Efron in the, in the first half. <laughs> Zac Efron was on that like I mean, big amazing. post high school musical uh, kick. I saw that trailer all the time. All right. Third film, finish at the game. The Edge, the 1997 survival film starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Oh, God. Um... Well, you think you want to hear a fun fact about the edge? Sure. Bart the bear, a trained Kodiak bear known for appearances in several Hollywood movies, appears in the film as the bloodthirsty Kodiak in one of his last film roles. Oh, R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Bart the bear. Very sad. So you said this was 1997. Okay, so this is going to be both post silence of the lambs when anthony hopkins was fucking everywhere and post um baldwin's run as jack ryan so like this is our hunt for red october and all of those so like that is like such a weird pairing of actors in my mind but given those two facts where they both are in their career right then it, it makes sense right so it's one of those things where it's like god i I almost feel like I almost feel like it kind of has to be good but then again like whenever you have a couple really big actors very frequently what will happen you know you'll see the whole thing of it's like you know we've got the three biggest stars in Hollywood and like that's all the thought we put into it and actually it's terrible like we were just cashing in on that star power so Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt exactly exactly um and knowing nothing about this other than they are trying to not get eaten i would assume by bart the bear uh, um i'm gonna go ahead and say 64 percent 64 i'm gonna once again go a little bit higher 
I'm going to say, ah, I'm going to say 78. You know what? I believe in the edge. I believe in Bart the Bear. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready to go watch uh, Edge of Seventeen? I am so ready to go watch The Edge of Seventeen. Oh, me too. What a what a lovely little movie. I, I do enjoy it. Let's let's do it. All right. Um, we are going to go watch the movie, and we will see you folks after the break. See you after the break. We're back. We are back. Oh, Caroline. Okay. Initial thoughts. Edge of 17. What did you think? Um, really, really lovely little movie. Um, really, I, I loved it. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I shouldn't say a lot more, but I will say I liked it, um, in ways that are very different than what I was kind of anticipating. Like I was anticipating a very different movie than the one that I got, so. Interesting, okay. I would love to hear about that first. We gotta return to our game from the first half. Yes, we do. All right, so we played Rotten Tomatoes Prices, right? For us, this was mm-hmm. this has been about a week. For the audience, <laughs> only several seconds. Yeah, magic merely, merely moments for our, for uh, our listenership. Truly, truly magic. Um, so just to, just to remind ourselves, we went through three movies, Edge of 17, 17 again, and The Edge. For that first movie, the one we're talking about today, Caroline guessed 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. I guessed 83. And the actual Rotten Tomatoes score of The Edge of 17 is 94. Yay. Damn. Wow, that's high. Not that Damn, Haley. But that's that's high. That's great. That's great. That is good good for Haley. Good for good for the edge of 17. 17. And and (laughs) good for you. One point. And uh, uh, starring, you know him, you love him. He is uh, the himbo major general, Zac Efron. Uh, 17 again. Caroline said 43. I said 50. And 17 again is 56. Ooh. Damn. Okay. All right. No, yeah, yeah. You know, it all all comes down to to the wire. For this game, it exactly. all comes down to the last one. I love that. Right. I love that for us. All right, this is good. And you, you, Caroline, you know what you could say it comes down to? The edge. The edge. You the could edge. say it comes down to the edge. For the <laughs> edge. That? Is, get... that a, is that is that a is that a saying? It is that a saying? I am, I am, it comes down. It sounds well appropriately enough. I think it sounds like something that Sean Connery would kind of say in a gruff voice in an action movie. Fair, it comes fair. down to the edge. Rush. Um, so the edge, uh, you guessed 64, I guessed 78. I went really high. And the edge, oh my god, is what? 64. Wait, is that what I guessed? Yeah, right that's what you guessed. Right on the nose. Wow. Right, right, one might say, right on the edge. <laughs> one, one might say one, that. One yeah, might. They might, I would, they might say that. I would say they almost certainly wouldn't, unless they don't know English, but they might. <laughs> Does yeah. Caroline get extra points for uh, guessing right on the edge? Do we have like a whatever oh spinoff or whatever in in Price's Right Land? I think that she should get like a. I'll take a bonus like, point. I'll like take a one special. Bonus point. Yeah, yeah, but one that that point. points like a special color. Okay. Sure. Like all all the other points are blue, and like that points like like a sparkly amethyst color. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's gonna be lime green in the Google Doc just for okay. you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Also, so it is said, say, so it is written. Yeah. All I have to say is that Corey came in and said, Oh, did she get an extra point for getting right on the edge? And so yeah. I think that <laughs> used, like I uh, I I feel like that's gonna be an expression that is used uh from here on out. Um <laughs> because it didn't I sound think... like a bit when Corey did it. It, <laughs> it sounded didn't. like it sounded right. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. Oh, real quick, before we go on, for the audience, I just need to, disclaimer, um, I have COVID-19. So if I say anything just bug nuts, uh, I'm going to blame it on that. I'm going to blame it on that. I'm feeling very good. But uh, also, hey, go get vaccinated. Do it. 
Like now, yeah, tomorrow, really. today, yesterday, Jesus. I, I, I can't Ugh. imagine, I can't imagine we would have um, a, a large uh, contingency of our listenership that is anti-vaxxers. It's like, we kind of say that like every time we get into anything vaguely political, that's, it's, that's like, true, it's like, I yeah. don't think we're really gonna attract people who disagree with most of the shit we say on here. But um, yeah, go get fucking vaccinated. Go, go if get you vaccinated. Can. If oh you my can. God. Yeah, do it. All right, so so back to the movie, back to the the edge of seventeen. Uh, Caroline, what what in what way was this movie? Unex- what, what about this movie was unexpected to you? I'm interested in that. Um, so a lot. I mean, I sure. think on the one hand, it is a in a, in a lot of ways, it's a pretty standard kind of run of. I shouldn't say run of the mill because that sounds bad, but like. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, it's a pretty standard, like, indie coming-of-age um, drama. But I feel like I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, by how it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a horrible trauma movie. You know what oh, I mean? Like, okay. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything, like, you know, I mean, other than, like, the dad dying in the beginning, but that's, you know, that's kind of set up. That's not, yeah. like the main thing it's it's not it's just kind of like there is family dysfunction you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like nothing that happened was like too crazy and it wasn't like absurdly dramatic it wasn't absurdly dramatic um or melodramatic but it also wasn't juno level detached you know it was very it was very and don't get me wrong i love juno like juno is a great movie but like juno has this like edge of like ironic tweeness to it that like this movie doesn't have and so i was pleasantly surprised that it's like okay this is kind of a movie about like i was pleasantly surprised that like honestly it deals with tough things that like teenagers go through in a way that feels like pretty realistic like there are jokes in it you know there there is humor they are using humor as a coping mechanism you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but it's not like i don't know it just it was very real but in a way that wasn't like despondent in the way that a lot of these are you know like i'm thinking of like a ladybird which again i love ladybird but like there is this kind of like there is this like just tone of like despair and detachment in a lot of like contemporary um like teen movies that like this one just didn't have yeah so i wasn't expecting it it's compared i and i think we i think we mentioned ladybird in the first half because it does i don't know it does feel that like ladybird came out six months after this movie and kind of ate its lunch in a way you know definitely um because that movie comparatively to that movie like you said there is this sort of uh it is very much a character piece it is it is named after its lead character and about her feelings and her growth but there is this level of detachment from her that is not necessarily present in this movie uh right. this is like all of all of fucking about like nadine and exactly what she's feeling at any given moment mostly because she's she's telling you um yeah. Where she's telling Woody Harrelson to be more accurate, but Right. And like in the in the Ladybird comparison, it's like there is this just like all of the characters in Ladybird are either like like miserable to the point of like I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I mean Timothy Chalamet is an unfeeling husk. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yes. It's very yeah. like unfeeling in their misery or like, you know, they're, they're, they're too cool and aloof and detached from things, which is not a problem. Like kids are also like that. Um, so like, yeah. that's fine. But I was expecting kind of that or more of like a mean girls kind of like pop comedy, like a lot more kind of, you know, um, like a lot more energy. Caroline, can I jump in on this point before you get too far ahead? Please. I think, of course. So, so I had seen this movie before, uh, and I hated it. I did not. I did did not really. I did not like it. I shouldn't say I hated it. I did not like it as much as I thought I would the first time around. On rewatch, I was like, "Oh my god, this movie is!" But I I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. And I think, (laughs) I 
for those of you who don't know, I'm a director by heart, a uh, director by trade. And I think one of the things that this does really well, it kind of speaks to um, Caroline, the point that you're making is the way it deals with its mental health isn't in it. The way it deals with the mental health of its characters is not um, a caricature or being like, oh, we're depressed. So we're going to mope and be sad right. and be those empty, sh- yeah. shells, you know, empty shells of people, but rather showing what it is actually like to live with depression and to live through that grief and trauma and how it affects you. Um, but, but like you said as well, not necessarily having it beat you over the head the entire time. Um, I just wanted, I, I, a lot of the work that I, I did in grad school focused on mental health and entertainment. And I, I think that's why I liked this movie so much more this time around. So I just wanted to jump in and throw that out there. No, that's awesome. Thank you, Corey. Like that's great context. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Cause I I I, I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna like keep belaboring the Ladybird comparison because that's that's a different whole other movie for a different whole other podcast. But I I, I do th- one more thing I'll say comparatively. Just to really belabor this point, at least from my perspective, is that you know psychologically, Chalamet does not demonstrate his his deadness it it comes across as a cool aloofness and i think it is to is to the the credit of gerwig's direction that the fact that the dude just can't stand to feel any emotion is something that you really get you get from the elements surrounding the character and his performance whereas you know i mean nadine just straight up says i want to kill myself yeah and 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 does so in that I, 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 you know, I think a very true to life way, which is like, she is kind of very specifically blowing up and being dramatic so that her teacher will take her seriously. But she does mean it. Like she's, she's right. like really feeling it. It's, well, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that I, and I mean, like, I feel like we should, if you haven't seen the movie, I feel like we should probably give this as the content warning, you know, like sure, there will sure. be talks of, you know, hardcore depression, like talks surrounding like self-harm and suicide. So like, if that's not your bag, like we will probably be talking about that a lot. I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, I mean, that's how, that's how a lot of teens are. And that's how a lot of adults are is they like joke about it. And it's like, it's like, ha ha ha. Like I am going to kill myself. Like, ha ha. Like, <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, and it's just like it's. I mean, it's it's the whole joke of like if you ask a white person how they're how it's going, and they say, "Oh, it's going," that means they're going to kill themselves this week. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's that whole joke that like goes around Twitter um, of just like people like saying it without saying it. So it is that thing of like there's that level of irony there, but I mean, she is mostly serious. Yeah, yeah, and I think that Nadine is sort of what makes her an exceptional character in this sort of move at least okay i should say this exceptional for i think you know teen comedies and teen dramas of sort of the last 20 years or so kind of in the since since all teen comedy has become very postmodern and very self-aware um nadine's like very she just says what she's feeling most of the time either to the audience or to another character in the movie like she is that is kind of her I don't want to say a problem because it's not a, it, it is only a problem in, in the way, it, in the ways in which it comes out contextually, but like her, one of her big issues with social, like with socialization is the fact that she kind of just can't stand to not say exactly what she's feeling and exactly what is going on. Right. And yeah. And, and Steinfeld, I think I'll say if I have like any, I don't know, I, I don't even want to say it because it's like, I do, I do want to say it. I don't know. But like, there are times in this movie where like that shtick of Steinfeld kind of like very hilariously saying the thing that she shouldn't say and doing it in a way that is just a little bit too smart uh, mm-hmm. it becomes like a little much. Like there's maybe two moments in this movie where I like roll my eyes and they're not the same. Mo- like they change both times I watch them. But just the, the the repetition of that gag gets to be a little much at times. But I think it is really, I do think that because of that, it is really to her credit and to her performance, performance's credit that 
that trope doesn't just become unbearable like 20 minutes in. Right. Because I definitely no, think there's sure. a version of this movie where it, it, it the, the writing is different and the performance is different. And it's just like, oh my God, like you just want to, you know, it's just like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah, this is, yes, no, I get it. You know a little bit more than everybody else that's, go, you know, at, at this moment. You're a little bit smarter than everybody else in the room, Nadine. I get it. But like, that's, yeah. you don't feel that most of the time. At least I don't. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's just let's just go through some of the greatest tips in this thing. Let's just let's just go through because the big I think the turning point of this movie, the big kind of um, the beginning of the hero's journey, as it were, is is pretty hilariously uh, seeing see, Nadine seeing her friend give her brother a handjob, which is like both. I it really like we've kind of been talking. It really I think toes the edge it toes the edge of something that is kind of hilarious american pie teen comedy and something that is like yeah occasionally you see stuff like that in high school and it it's very upsetting yeah i like, know definitely like it just cha- it fundamentally changes your relationship to other people when you, like when you're a young person that is like one not yet sexually active and like two just fully ensconced in the hormones of high school and one you see your friend doing something sexually active and two with your brother oh my god right. like, that is the kind of thing that really like it makes sense that that is the turning point for this movie I think that's a very true to life thing but it's also no, kind of hilarious no definitely and I mean it's it's the three for one punch of like kind of like you said it's it's awful to see to walk in on your friend it's more awful to walk in on your brother and Mm -hmm. it's like and then there's the triple punch of like the betrayal of like oh my god this is ruined like just the shock value of that friendship so it's like three things hitting all at once and um no i know i i literally wrote down um one of my first notes is when the opening montage is going and it's just like and I finally had a friend and I just wrote, wrote oh, God. oh no. I just yeah, wrote, not for oh, long. No. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if this kid is going to die. I don't know if this kid is going to, but I'm like, I'm like, like the one friend is going to be the problem and that's going to yeah. be the thing. And of course, like, yeah, a lot of my notes are just no, no, <laughs> no, fuck, 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 fuck. Because it really is. I mean, it is just that movie where it's like, you know, you can kind of see it's just, it's one of those things where it's like it's like just two and a half minutes before it gets to whatever it's going to go to you know exactly where it's going and you're just like no 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 yeah no because and i think that that scene i mean very importantly that them getting drunk and then uh the, the name of her friend is escaping me but her talking to the brother is i think played really well because in the con if if you were not if the if this movie was not like firmly from nadine's point of view that is a scene that in any other like teen drama or teen romance or teen comedy would be like, oh, they're interested in each other. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, they're gonna, oh, oh, cool. You know, like it's not played, it's not like lascivious. It's not, you know, it's not really gross in the moment. Like them, them taking notice of each other feels very natural. Yeah, and is the, that if you were not in Nadine's, and I mean, and that's kind of her journey in the movie in a lot of ways, but like, if you're not so firmly on Nadine's side and you know what it's going to mean for her, for them to get together, you would be a hundred percent, I think, full on rooting for this couple, which, right. you know, by the end of the movie, you basically are like, yeah, no, they're very good together. And when they can, you know, when they can all kind of learn to live together, it's, it's, it's a much better situation. Yeah, definitely. No. And I mean, it's like when the mother said, when the mother says like, well, maybe they'll get married and then it will be a good thing. And I was just like, yeah. oh my God. But like, you know, when it did happen at the beginning and they're like, oh no, like I'm going to be his girlfriend. I was just like, you bitch. Yeah, I was like, fucking that ass. Is, that is horrible. Um, Just like the worst thing I've ever heard. And it's like, it is that thing kind of like going back to like what we were talking about at the beginning about how it gives real problems that real teenagers go through the real weight of it like that's fucking terrible you know what i mean like we don't have to have the um 
we don't have to have the teen movie where it's like and then the best friend died you know what i mean or like yeah, or yeah. or whatever like you know and then you know someone got murdered or someone got attacked or like this horrible like tragedy befell it's like sometimes sometimes your brother just dates your best friend and that's the worst thing in on the planet yeah and like and and it's good and some and you know and sometimes like your mother is i mean kira sedgwick who is of course the closer um <laughs> i i like i oh my god the things that she did just drove me insane because of course yeah. they did they're supposed to and it's just like it is that thing of like on the one hand she never does anything just like outright super fucking like awful like it's not one of those like it's not it's not an abuse movie you know it's not a movie no. about like the father dies and then the and then you know the mother loses it and like becomes like it, you know like has an addiction problem and like starts beating them or whatever it's just yeah. sometimes she's just nasty and like yeah yeah like sometimes yeah. sometimes she just snaps a little bit and she says things that are highly inappropriate for a mother to say to her daughter certainly but like yeah not things that she should go to jail for you know what i mean um and it's like i just i find that like weirdly refreshing in a teen movie because like i have a i have a great relationship with my mother like i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that i don't but like it is that thing where it's like it's like sometimes your mom does stuff when you're a teenager and you're just like this is the worst thing that's ever happened like i can't believe she did it like she is the most horrible person on the planet and it's like you know I think I think every teen has to some degree that experience, um, even if you have a great relationship with your parents, you know, so it's like, I just I just respect the fact that the movie doesn't have to go other than like, obviously, the, the father dying in the beginning is like a horrible tragedy. But like, that's what yeah. kind of like, that's the sets the balls into motion. And it doesn't have to be this thing about these people like, 100% falling apart and crumbling and just like, you know, wasting away and becoming like, you know, becoming just uh, shadows of themselves. It's like, it's like, you know, and that, that caused a lot of problems growing up. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, like that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, and the father being dead is this fact that lays, I mean, it's, it's she very, you know, states it exactly it's a, obviously like you said it is sort of the the thing which incites the the beginning of the narrative but then also it is it is largely just a fact that kind of lays over everything else it's like right. why is the mom acting like this well i mean you can't say it's because the dad's dead but you know single mom's gotta do i, I was raised by a single mom single moms you gotta develop a weird relationship with your kids sometimes because there's just not another adult in the room and that's you know it's weird. It, it it results in some weirdness. But so yeah, let's definitely. okay. What'd you think about Woody? Let's 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 talk about Woody. What'd you think about Woody? Oh, I mean, he's great. Um yeah. can I can I jump you know, in here real uh, quick? Um yes, please. Caroline, I Go just I wrote this down uh when we were doing the first part of this episode because uh you described him when you were saying what you thought the movie was about. You would you said something to the effect of like uh, Woody Harrelson's in here as what I'm assuming is an empathetic English teacher. Uh, and I <laughs> lost it because you were yeah. damn close. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, he was, he was a history teacher. I think we established, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's, he's meeting her at that level of like, okay, I'm going to be like, kind of like a sarcastic little bitch to you, but like also in a weird way, that's the, that's what she needs you know, like she is processing a lot of her stuff by being a sarcastic little bitch. So like for, you know, that's kind of what she needs in return um, to feel validated, I think, um, in a lot of ways. So I, I really enjoy the performance. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I'm struggling to think of anything to say other than just like, oh yeah, like the key was great. Cause I mean, he, he pulls off what he has to do and like he plays, like, I mean, he takes her shit. Um, yeah. And it's, and he fires it back a little bit, but like, it doesn't look like it ever like wounds him, you know, it never hits that like weak part under the armor. And it is just that thing of like, he knows that just like, I just have to sit here and listen to this like sarcastic bitch, like let her get it out and like 
fire it back at her a little bit. And I don't know. I mean, he, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing that I like about, again, the synthesis and it's, you know, it's that synthesis between writing and performance. Um, well, I, I should say two things. One is just that like, I love a representation because I think so often in movies and so often in movies like this, the adult characters are either like totally unhelpful like they are it is it is about that time in adolescence in which you recognize that every adult like all adults know as much as you which is to say that they don't know shit like so you know sometimes they're just not really going to be of help they're going to be active hindrances to your self-development but it's it's the other the other it, it doesn't fall into the other trope of just like the sort of heroic older person like the absolute wizened mentor right, the who's dead going poet to society you yeah it's yeah. not robin williams exactly it's just it is again i think just a much more real thing which is at some point you know either when you're in high school or you're in college you meet an adult who actually talks to you like a real person and and it's it kind of blows your goddamn mind it's it's like and and you just kind of find yourself even if they're you know not being like a 100% empathetic like wizened mentor figure you do want to talk to them because you're like wait a second you see me like you you oh my god you're like taking me on my own terms like wild and that and then I also like I think it's part of not letting it go too far into into you know totally perfect mentor trope is that I love when she shows up at his house. <laughs> He's like, yeah, feel free to hang out here for a minute. But also, like, I'm, I'm calling your mom. You gotta, you gotta leave. I have, yeah. I have a child. Like, get out of here. And, and like, he, you get the feeling that his house is not this space of total comfort for her. It's this very odd liminal space. Like it is, it is, I think it captures very well the feeling of you go to a teacher's house and you're like, oh, this is weird. They exist outside school. Right. Like when you run into the teacher at the grocery store and they're like, yeah. you're not allowed to buy eggs. Like what's going on? Like <laughs> you're not a real person. You don't have a Murphy bed at the back of the at the back of the art room. Yeah. Like what's going on? Like this isn't fair. Um yeah, but exactly. no, I mean I I agree and it is like I mean, that reveal that, like, you know, um, he isn't actually, like, this, like, sad sack, like, oh, like, I, you know, that he isn't the sad sack. I mope around and I'm so sad. And actually, he does have a pretty, like, traditionally picture-perfect life in that, like, he's doing all of it. Like, it's all a bit of a show for her Um, was, was really fun for me i actually i actually rewound the movie at that part because i was like wait 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 wait, wait, wait." i was like i was like i missed something i gotta go back and like i i rewound to like where she like entered the house i was like oh no he just he just actually has a very very kind wife and a small child like a nice a nice a nice wife and a nice child who he is nice to like it yeah it's and like i don't know the house is so perfect it actually looks like i get annoyed um I mean, it's a common complaint, I think, amongst a lot of people that watch movies, but when, like, the place where somebody lives is, like, wildly outside of their budget, and it's very odd. We, we, have, we have, on this podcast, talked about this before. We spent a lot of time, I think, last season uh, in our Devil Wars Prada episode talking about, like, it makes no sense that their apartment is this nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that dude's house, I'm like, yes, that is a teacher's house. Like, that, a teacher who like the wife is not working right now because they just had a kid. Like that is the house they live in. That was, I don't know, something about that was very pleasing to me. It was, it was yeah. economically appropriate. Well, and it, it was economically appropriate, but also it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's at night. It's shot with all these like extremely like warm tones too. Mm-hmm. It's also just this thing of like, it is presented as like a perfect little place. So it's like, it doesn't yeah. really need to, um, be like you know big or extravagant um it just has to you know the way the way they film it and the way they do like the way they designed and or chose mm-hmm. the the set that they were going to be shooting on um they just they dress it in such a homey comfortable way that like you really only see like the two rooms you know like the, the yeah. entryway and like the, the little back room when they're um hanging out but they go back to that one one mid shot a lot yeah the uh mm-hmm. yeah 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 hey 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 um I don't know. Hey, hey, uh, set designers on the show Friends. 
yeah not get not him, all get him carson I, I i don't even have anything i hate friends i don't even watch that show yeah they the apartments they're too big too big it's the it's the How I Met Your Mother apartment yeah, as well. That's yeah. like, yeah. That's a show I, I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 any show or movie that takes place in New York City that isn't specifically about like, haha, New York City is expensive and it sucks to live there. Like, if that is not the text of the film, um, like the apartments are always way too big and way too nice because otherwise, Absolutely. like, you're shooting in one tiny room. Yeah, yeah, you did, and then that's that just gets to be sad okay okay all right so this is again i feel i'm only mentioning it because again i think it's one of those like oh yeah this movie got buried by ladybird but like they do the same reveal of like the boy she's talking to is rich yes yeah which um is just that's that's all like this movie i hate to say that it's just like checking boxes that is not a very kind thing but like it really does check all the boxes of just like weird shit that inevitably happens to you when you're like in your late teens that you're like you find you're like oh like you become aware of your own your own economic place in the world when you you hang out with somebody that's like way more wealthy than you yeah 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 Uh, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, literally like the last note I wrote, like when I was kind of like trying to come up with summation of like, just kind of like a one sentence summation of what I thought, um, I just kind of wrote that like, it was adorable, heartbreaking, depressing, funny, like scary in parts. It's like literally like everything that it feels like to be a teenager. Yeah. Um, it kind of like, while not, while not ratcheting any one aspect all the way up to the most catastrophic it can be, um, it pretty much hits on a lot of big experiences um, and gives them their due credit without turning it into a like a tragedy mm-hmm. or a triumph that like this thing happened. Because you know, um, I'm currently actually also um, I'm currently watching Pen Fifteen on Hulu is, for the first time. Is that good? Which if if you- uh, it's it's great it's okay. phenomenal all right um, i gotta watch that and yes i would i got so it. nervous for a second uh, sorry i got so nervous for a second you were gonna say you didn't like it and i was like <laughs> no that show is perfect oh no it's phenomenal i'm i'm loving it but it's just that thing of like so many like especially from like 80s and 90s and even into the 2000s and even into the 2010s like the teen movie so frequently like goes into these areas of like oh my god like whatever whether it's whether it's prom whether it's like you know going off to college whether it's like you know having sex for the first time whether it's your first kiss whatever it is it's like whatever the element the facet of like teenager dumb that that specific movie is about they're so adamant that like that is the moment that changes your life. You know, like it's the most yeah. important thing that will ever happen to you. And I think we're starting to see the shift now um, where like things like this movie and things like um, things like Pen15 and things too, like if you guys have ever watched Big Mouth on Netflix, they're kind of like changing that narrative. I mean, like actually all of those things were like incredibly awkward and like weird and like, you think they're gonna be important and like they kind of are because you remember like, oh, well, like this was my first, like you know the first person i kissed was x y and z yeah but like you know they're not leaning into this like myth that like every experience you have as a teenager is like something you'll carry with you for your whole life like most of it is like really awkward and like no one knows how to dress themselves and like you know like none of us like we you know we can't even fucking drive like we don't know what we're doing and like everything is just so awkward and strange and like i find that very i find that very comforting also, Corey I, just put in the chat, um, also book smart. And yes, I agree with that. Also book smart and also eighth grade. Um, I haven't seen eighth grade, but I've heard oh, very, very, very I mean, Caroline. Like, look, it, it's, okay. But now, here's the thing. Here's, here's my thing with eighth grade is that uh, it's, it's great. It's a really good movie. It's not a pleasant watch. It is, it is oh, no, no I mean, part it's of written that and directed by Bo Burnham, right? It it is, yeah. So you know how inside? Have you guys seen Bo Burnham's Inside? I haven't. I sure did. I haven't brought myself to watch it yet. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll give you just a preview, and Corey knows this is that Inside. I think 
I mean, I, I'm not like, look, this is the most anodyne thing to say at this point, but like, it, it is Bo Burnham's masterpiece. It is like the thing that every bit of art he's done for the past 10 years has been leading to, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But like that, that thing finds, like finds its wavelengths very well. It can be outrageously joyous and then the next minute be like crushingly depressing. Eighth grade is like is is trying for that and it has its moments of transcendent joy but for the most part it is just oh like the art of it is that it is so thoroughly trapped in that moment of like oh god no and just is able to stay there for two hours but it's great absolutely it's so yeah it's very good but i i and also you know i also say on this track i think we're really discovering something here this is a bit of a trend but like i would say you know hey before it's time would have done well, but uh, Freaks and Geeks on the same shit. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, love Freaks and Geeks. Good show. Good show. Linda Cardinelli. I, mean, mm. I was just going to say, when you have like Linda Cardellini in anything, it's going to be an automatic 6 out of 10 for me, like Absolutely. baseline. You, you know my favorite moment in the film Avengers of Age, Age of Ultron? When she's married to Hawkeye? Yeah, when she's married to Hawkeye. That's the best part. Yeah, I feel, yeah. And I, and I like that movie more than most people. But it's the best part of the movie. I do, I do. I'm the weird defender of the second Avengers movie. Um, and you're, it's but, okay to be wrong. It's okay. It's really <laughs> amazing that you're that proud of yourself. Look, that movie, there is one chase scene. You could cut 15 minutes from that movie and I think the, the, the lack of the extra time would be, whatever, a different conversation for a different day. So to kind of round up, uh, edge of 17 here i think i think we should just briefly i i do my my expectation is going to be a, a reiteration of a lot of things that we've said before but uh the ending is so sweet i think without like again just barely not edging into edging into uh into saccharin <laughs> and i love yeah, it it's, no, it, it really is just like an everything is resolved and all is good like Irwin admits that he that he like likes Nadine and she's like, I like you too. And they hang out and the mom trusts her and she's cool with her brother and her friend. And they get it's great. Like it's just everything's nice. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's like, you know, I, I love the um I love the moment when the text that she sends to her mom is I'm safe. I mean, yeah. it's just a nice like underpinning of what is kind of through this whole film in a way like i mean most of it is about you know not being able to feel comfortable with anyone um kind of that thing like i mean you start off with the father's death like which kind yeah. of like looms over everything you start off with her like threatening to you know kill herself so like that thing of just like her being like the thing i am going to say to put like her mind at ease being i'm safe i just i saw that and i was like that's very good i was like that's and very good yeah, and it it is it is so direct, but I again I don't think that it edges into into you know into saccharin because right. we have established that she is Nadine's going to say what is on her mind. Like her saying right. that is enough to make her mom believe it. Right. And I mean it is that thing too, like we have talked a lot, like a lot of this movie is about how like how these little things that happen to us in teen, like while we're teenagers, like they're important, but they're not the biggest thing in the world. It's like, it is yeah. kind of that thing where it's like the ultimate triumph for her isn't that like she gets the boy at the end. It's just kind of like, she gets the boy at the end, probably. I mean, they admit that they like one another and he introduces mm -hmm. them to her friends and she, you, you know, like that final shot of her just smiling, like feeling comfortable. It's like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't blow it out of proportion to like, you know, and that was the love of her life and the first time she found love mm -hmm. and everything, like they lived happily ever after. It was just this very like, okay, cool. Like amidst all of this bullshit where I felt unease to this entire film, like there is that moment of just like standing in a circle of like your peers and just kind of being able to like exhale. That is- And like sometimes uh, that's enough. You know, sometimes yeah. that's enough. That is very well put. And I think a very good place to end unless you have anything else to say. Um, I don't think so. Other than just like a lot of, I just wrote down a lot of bits <laughs> that I liked. Yeah, there were um, a lot of good bits. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it the ferris wheel kiss was cringe as hell um as oh, as yes. as the youth say um i mean steinfeld is so good seinfeld is so good especially mm -hmm. in especially in the entire movie but um also in the final monologue not the final monologue but the one she kind of gives at the climax to her brother yeah um she's i mean she's phenomenal hey yeah. you know i'll bring it back around to hawkeye uh i am <laughs> stupid stupid wildly excited for that hawkeye show because she's going to be kate bishop yeah i cannot wait i love the uh, i love the, the like series that they're they seem to be primarily pulling from is one of my favorite modern Marvel series. And I'm just, God, I mean, it's Haley Steinfeld. They got, she's all the pictures of scene. She's dressed in purple. They got the outfits, right? I'm so excited. Can I, can I, before we go, can I, uh, uh, can I give you all a little information about the director of this film, her upcoming project? Please yeah, do. Please. Cause I was, uh, I was real quick before, before we get to that, I looked her up on IMDb and this was just like, this yeah. was her first thing pretty much period like she had done like one or two short films but like literally um i was reading kind of like her her biography and it was like she was in college and she was studying art and all that stuff and she got an internship reading scripts and i was like oh yeah i guess i should make films and it's like like that was it like like you, yeah. you get the internship and you go oh i guess i should probably do this and this is your first movie like yeah. holy shit like that's yeah, like i mean i'm excited to see whatever she does next because i was stunned to see that there wasn't really anything prior to this kelly fremen craig it seems like the from what i've read on like wikipedia and just googling her name the one project that she has like consistently been attached to for the last couple of years and and still seems to be and she is an executive producer on it, is an adaptation of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. That's interesting. That, that's almost too obvious. Is my, my one concern with that is it's almost too obvious. Right. <laughs> in terms of like artist and material matchup. Um, well, great. I think, I think that's Edge of 17 then. Yeah, the only other thing I would have to say is, um, is like, I know they need to do it for the sake of um like drama and like for the sake of there being a movie because you know there's always that thing of like well if they just fix the problem right as it happened there wouldn't be a movie to watch but like if she sends that message to what's his face nick i think it is and she's mm -hmm. freaking out like you can just block him yeah and then he wouldn't be able to see the message i well, had the same thought but, yeah. but 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 was that but, the but, case but. in 2016 I would think so. I would think so. I wasn't, I didn't DM Especially a lot on of Facebook. Especially I've never Facebook. DM'd a lot of people. Yeah. I'm not that cool. I'm not as but cool as Haley Stein. That's neither here nor there. Um, it, was, it was needed in order to have any sort of dramatic conflict in the film. Yeah, absolutely. So it's fine. Just uh, <laughs> All right. had that thought. Uh, well, that was Edge of Seventeen. Uh, yes, it was. Producer, producer Corey, would you like to give uh, give the fine folks at home a little bit of information as to where they can find us if they like this show? Yes, I would. Uh, first yeah. and foremost, if you enjoy what you are hearing, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you are listening to us. We are available on all major podcasting platforms: Apple sure Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Um, are there any that I'm missing? So, uh, no, I think that's, I think those are the main ones that we're on. And, um, that's a good question. Cause if you get your podcast somewhere else and we're not there, please let us, let us know. know. And we oh, happily yeah. will get on that thing. How are you going to tell us? You're going to follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at HHYNS movies on Facebook at HHYNS podcast. And on Letterboxd, we are on Letterboxd now at HHYNSPOD, HHYNSP, all caps, lowercase O-D. In continuing our kind of uh, back to school series, we will be watching Legally Blonde. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm really excited for that next week. Yeah, um, it, it, is, it is an all-time favorite of mine. Um, I am, it is one of those things where I... I don't have really any, I don't have like a top 10 because it's too hard and it's always mm -hmm. changing, but um, 
I think I think if I really had to sit down and do a top 10, I think that this probably, um, for a, a lot of the reason for nostalgia purposes, but I, th- I think Legally Blonde probably cracks top 10 of all time for me. Oh, damn. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm really excited about it now, more so than I was before. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, if you want to hear Carson, uh, Carson's first thoughts on Legally Blonde and my thoughts um, for, I think I did see this movie in like 2002. So almost, almost 20 years worth of thoughts on Legally Blonde. Um, Tune in next week. Yeah. Yeah. See you guys next week. All right. See you guys. (laughs) 